Today on episode number 524, we have the fabulous Troy Heinrichs from The Blacklist Exposed. It is a great story filled with just, it's like one big long because of my podcast story. Get your pen and paper because we got a lot of strategy to go over as well. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, now with over 1.3 million downloads, I am your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, look, I help you massage your message, I help you tackle the technology, I help you face your fears and flatten that learning curve, and get you on the road to a successful podcast. And a lot of times this program, this podcast is about the technology. Today, I've just got a phenomenal story of Troy Heinrichs, who I've known for a few years. We're going to get into his story, and I really want to just jump into it, because I'm here to tell you, remember I've always said, there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. Originally, this conversation was about an hour and 45 minutes, and I've cut out a few things, but really what I've left in is the cool parts of the story and the strategy. So for everything we're talking about today, check him out. You can find Troy in all of his podcasts, along with many other ones, at Golden Spiral Media. You can also go to theblacklistexposed.com, and I'll have links to all this out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 524. Let's just get to the interview. What inspired you to go, I want to do one of those? Well, originally, when I graduated college, I went to school for radio, believe it or not, and I actually produced shows for the radio station. And I was like, well, you know, I do this kind of corporate day job thing and I kind of miss the radio thing because I'm in Chicago. And when you go from a small market to a very, very large market, number three in the country, you don't quite get radio jobs in that kind of a move. You have to kind of do your time. So I was like, well, this podcasting thing is kind of like radio. I've done radio for six years. I've produced shows. Let's do it. Let's see what we can do. So just uh, found a good co-host and was rocking and rolling from 2013 on. Oh, that's cool. I did not see. We're all learning things. I Because I'm like, I didn't know you were in HR. And I'm like, well, that explains what he does during the day. But I didn't know you had a radio background. Well, that's very cool. So what was the first podcast? First podcast was Under the Dome Radio at underthedomeradio.com. Uh, it's still up there. You can still suffer through it like we all did for three seasons. We kid because it, the way that started out was Wayne Henderson. I was listening to his fringe casting and then... Uh, his Packers fan podcast, because it's his podcast, first and foremost. I'm just the the side chair guy. Uh, they came on in season five. And when we were doing the fringe stuff, I was calling into a show, kind of leaving some musical clips, uh, feedback. And I was like, dude, we're Stephen King fans. Let's do this dome thing. There's all these like Jack Benders behind it and uh, Brian K. Vaughn's behind it. They all did Lost. This thing's going to be good. It's going to be huge, right? Because if you got Lost people behind it, it's got to be awesome. Uh, not so much because then Brian K. Vaughn left the show and season two and season three went to the toilet pretty quick, but we had a blast because we had a great fan community on under the dome. And I think that's why we stuck with it for the whole three seasons. It was on the air one because it was during the summer. So we had nothing else to do. So why not do a podcast? And then we also took it to the step further where people were actually calling in and making their own audio dramas as listener feedback. Like we had one guy who was trapped fell out of a helicopter or something, couldn't watch the dome. Then he found this receiver and he's like trying to like find out what's going on to get his fan feedback in every week. And it became this thing where another guy was hunting him down. And literally there was this mini audio drama (laughs) for the entire whole of season three. And we're like, this is better than the show. We just got to produce this thing. (laughs) And it actually had an ending, which is better than the dome. So it worked out. Here's my question. When, when it's just stinking up the place, were you saying, wow, this show is really stinking up the place? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's let's be clear. We were not, I guess we wouldn't say we hid our frustration or distaste for the show in any way, shape, or form, but we were cool about it in that we found a way to make it entertaining, uh, enjoyable. We actually added to the show in season three, if you can believe it. We actually did video reaction casts the minute the <laughs> season three episode ended, and we would open it up with something crazy. Like uh, Wayne was saying that in order for him to enjoy the show, he had to take happy pills. And for him, that was whoppers. So then it was a matter of how many whoppers did he actually have in his hand? <laughs> when we opened up the show to see how bad the episode was to a point where he actually took an entire box of whoppers 
and put the box in his mouth one night because the show was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the people loved it. They subscribed. They they, right. they listened. They reacted. They we told them the questions to like send in and feedback, and that actually increased our listener feedback for the full show three days later that we put out as the audio version of the show. Uh, it was great. People wrote in iTunes reviews. I think that's why we stuck with it because the iTunes reviews were the podcast is better than the TV show. And if, if you got comments like that, it's kind of hard to say no to the fans at that point. Right. All right. I got to jump in now. I know it's a, it's like I say, it's a long interview. I'm still going to interject here. Think about this. People tune in for the content. They stay for the host. This is one of those things that just keeps coming up over and over. They come for the content you build that relationship, they stay for the host. And what do they do? They made a really crappy show entertaining. I can just see Wayne, Wayne Henderson there with all of his whoppers. I laugh just thinking about it. And that's how you take crappy material and you bring it to life where people are tuning in to see how many whoppers is it going to take for Wayne because, and, and they made their own show, the side of the show. I think it was awesome. So people tune in for the content. They stay for the host. Exactly. And people are listening. And uh, now, did anybody from that show follow you to your next show? Well, interestingly enough, most of the people did because that show is on uh, Daniel J. Lewis's Noodle Mix. Or sorry, the Dan- or the Daniel J. Lewis, now everywhere in social media land, uh, his Noodle Mix network. And so Daniel called us to put Dome on there. He probably regrets that decision today. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually led to something better. So when we were doing Under the Dome, we actually met up with one of the actors who was in maybe, I think it was two episodes total, uh, by the name of Kevin Sizemore. And this was a really interesting story. I know that you have your Jeremiah 29, 11, love the Bible verse up on the website. You talk about it a lot on the School of Podcasting, and we've talked about it. And it was kind of a similar situation where Kevin was bold enough to put a Bible verse on his Twitter profile. And so I just kind of reached out to him and said, hey, you know, I really love your Bible verse. I'm an Ephesians 4:32 kind of guy and a first John four, seven and eight kind of guy. And he tweeted me back and he's like, let's, let's get on Skype and talk. And I was like, this Hollywood guy wants to talk to me, some dude in a basement in Chicago, never met him before. Don't know anything about him just because of our faith conversation. And that opened up the door for us to interview him, build up a relationship with him. And come November, we were thinking about, Hey, there's this new show coming out on ABC called resurrection about people that were dead for a long time coming back to life. And Wayne and I are, this is, this is money. This is the next lost, right? We get dome was horrible. This is going to be it. We're going to hit it big. (laughs) And unfortunately, ABC didn't stick with it too long. It was only on for two seasons, but in November I get this phone call and it's from Kevin and it's, Hey, Troy, I'm I'm down here in Atlanta. We're filming at the devious made studio, this great show called resurrection. You guys should podcast about this. And I was like, Kevin, we already got it planned and ready to go. He's like, all right, let me call ABC. I'll call you back in a couple months. Didn't hear from him. It's like February, almost March. The show's about to launch. Should we do the podcast? Should we wait for Kevin? What are we going to do? And then finally, I'm going to some work function downtown Chicago, right around where podcast movement was at the big Hancock building. If anybody got to go up there to the 95th floor and I'm in the lobby and I get one of those unknown callers on my cell phone and I never answer them. Why would I answer them? I'm, I'm an HR guy. It's probably some salesperson trying to sell me more HR software. And I, I just had this feeling like I should take this call. And so I pick up the phone. Hey, it's ABC. You know, Kevin told us to call you. You guys are doing this podcast. What's it about? How can we help? What do you want to do? And I just was like, put the phone down, kind of jump in screaming for joy. I can't believe ABC has called my personal cell phone. And lo and behold, from that, we actually made up a plan for the first season of resurrection where we interviewed the creator Right before the show started, we interviewed the author that wrote the book that the show is based on, actually met the author in person when he came here to Chicago for book tour, and we got to interview him a second time for his new book and help him promote it. And then we interviewed basically the entire cast of season one. And the way we did it was every time somebody had a focal point of the story that that week, we were able to go ahead and pull out that person and feature them that week in the podcast. So we did a initial reactions cast right on Sunday night and then third, you know, spend some time during the week to do the interview and then put out the full feedback show like Thursday or Friday that included the interview. And so literally that first season we had the entire cast on minus the three big people. Cause you have to work with their PR people and all that stuff. So we didn't get to talk to Francis Fisher, Kurt Smith or Omar Epps, 
But everybody else came on the show, including Landon Jimenez, who was awesome to talk to as a you know eight to ten year old at the time, you know, who just loved his pudding. Great nice. interview. Well, I want to go back a second. So that that came about because of a tweet that you one sent. tweet. And so was this a case where you just went through the cast and started looking up their Twitters or how did that, what inspired you to send a tweet? I, obviously you said you, you saw the, the Bible verse, but what sent you to that guy's Twitter in the first place? Well, IMDB for a TV fan podcast show is the hugest place you can be. The best thing is you can actually sign up for like the IMDB pro membership for like a 14 day trial. And when you're a TV fan podcaster, you try to get in on that as much as you can, because then you can get the cast, you can get the crew, you can get the producers, the creators. You can find out if you do the pro version, you can find out who their agents are, who their publishing firm is, who their PR firm is. And you like scour it and you write it all down in a spreadsheet because then that becomes your email list in a sense, because those are the people you want to try to get on the show and try to set up relationships with. And so you get to their Twitter information. So then you go to Twitter, you're setting up your show Twitter account, you're following people, you're trying to interact, you're trying to get them to notice you. And when we saw that Kevin was going to be in two episodes, we just pinged him and said, hey, we saw you're going to be in two episodes. We love your character in the book. We see that the character has changed from the book. We want to talk to you about that and why that is and what kind of the arc is going to be. And if you can share anything with us. And that's when he tweeted us back and said, yeah, let's get on the horn and talk about it. All right. So now you're into Resurrection. And I, I, like you said, that one lasted two seasons. I'm with you. I thought that was a cool show. It was neat. Yeah, it was It was different. I was kind of, you know, it didn't really have much of an ending, which was kind of a bummer. But uh, uh, so what happens, you know, that goes down the, the tubes, which is kind of the bad news of a TV show podcast, because eventually all TV shows, you know, go away. But nonetheless, you've now you've got a, a bigger audience. So where do you go from there? Well, and what was really funny was in between season one and season two, uh, they were at San Diego Comic-Con. Huge publicity. They took like a giant billboard out on the side. I think it was of was a PNC Park there in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was at San Francisco. I forget. The baseball stadium there in San Diego. And they were doing something with, uh, you know, Zach's uh, Operation Smile event that goes on during San Diego Comic-Con uh, with the, the, the Nerdist. I think it's the Nerdist. And they um, oh. did all the, did all the stuff, right? What was fun was Hollywood Reporter was there, and they were doing this like fan versus showrunner contest all throughout the convention. And they actually called us and said, "Hey, are you going to be at Comic Con? We want to do this fan versus showrunner thing with you guys from the podcast." And of course, Comic Con's huge; you can't get tickets; it costs a lot of money. But our friend Aaron Peterson from the Hollywood Outsider, he was going, and he watched the show. And so, dude, you should do this in our stead, like you know, on the street reporter Aaron Peterson. And so we actually got publicity on the Hollywood Reporter for the podcast through that fan versus showrunner uh, exchange that we did on the Hollywood Reporter, which is kind of cool. Cool. So you you have fun at Comic-Con. And uh, where, where does the road travel after that? So I think at that point, we were trying to figure out, well, what's the next move? So Dome was coming into the third season. Resurrection ended. We knew Dome was going to be El Succo, but we were going to suffer through it for 13 episodes for the fans. And in this interim time, like right when Resurrection's finishing and Dome is finishing, something magical happens at this point. Now, when you're a radio broadcasting guy, you also dabble a little bit in television, and that's why we do TV fan podcasts, because we watch a lot of TV. And I always said that there'd be this opportune life goal. It'd be great if I could watch TV and get paid for it and talk about it. That'd be like my ideal dream job. And as we were doing the Dome, we actually met up with some other people that were doing a Dome podcast for this little network called TV Talk. And we're like, dude, what's what's TV Talk? We've heard of AfterBuzz, but we've never heard of TV Talk before. And it was this network that was kind of just starting up uh, with a guy by the name of Stuart Crane, who felt that he could come up with a great way to have 20 minute water cooler morning after conversations about TV shows and build this really cool app where as you're listening to the show... We'll give you a talk back question. You hit a button in the app. It'll let you record your comments. And then you literally become part of the show at the end of the show. And when you think about it on the server, like this is the greatest thing ever. Like this technology, like record and be part of the show and have this great community all dealing on the app. This is perfect. This is a gold mine. And then we found out Stuart's paying people to talk about TV for 20 minutes. And we're like, sign us up. How many shows can we do? And that's when the blacklist came to fruition because I got... The, uh, I was kind of like one of the last people in Daryl Darnell from Golden Spiral Media and uh, Pro Podcast Solutions was the producer on TV Talk. 
So he hired us to do the blacklist and Wayne and I did revenge and we did that for a season. Uh, Stuart obviously didn't the hope was either, you know, sell the technology to somebody else that wants to buy it, find a partner. Otherwise when the money runs out, Hey, great ride. We'll see y'all later. And the money ran out. We didn't sell it. So we were all, Oh man, we kind of, we kind of like doing these shows. Who can we do these shows with? So we moved the blacklist over to golden spiral media with Daryl and that became what is now the Blacklist Exposed, our big flagship show. Are you comfortable saying, like, is this gas money that you made from TV talk? Or was it like, no, that's like sizable money? Or, or? I would say that because we were doing two shows, mm-hmm. I would say that it was enough that it was a vacation over nice. by, the time the, by the time the year was out. Loved it. It was great. I think the business plan probably... <laughs> Bleeded the money a little faster because we weren't doing a ton of work. I mean, you watch the show twice, you talk about it for 20 minutes, you send it up to somebody else to edit it, which funny enough, that's how we met uh, the real Brian, Brian Kane, because he was our editor for both shows. So that's how Brian and I became friends was through TV talk as my editor. So now we're on to the blacklist and this is where things get really crazy. I mean, your story at this point is really cool, but this is where it just, it gets crazy. So carry us into the blacklist explodes land. Yeah. So season two rolls around and we kind of had to like redo the show a little bit. It's going to be a different format. We can be more, there was all about long form podcasts. And I'm like, well, what's long form? Is it like 45 minutes? Is it like three hours? And he's like, yeah, about 60 minutes or so. So the whole kind of format of the show changed a little bit. And I wanted to make sure that I had somebody that was willing to watch a show, do the work and it's not that we had any bad blood between me and my old co-host, Dave Dreher. I keep him in the loop. I tell him, hey, we're putting the season one content up with the Blacklist Exposed. So you get the exposure for the first season. Um, so we have a really good relationship there. But I just wanted somebody I could really partner with and do a lot of the work. And Aaron and I, Aaron Peterson, had done uh, some stuff. He was the super fan from Resurrection. He's a Packers fan. He lives within an hour of my house. So we could strategize and meet together and do things. And so I brought Aaron in for season two. And we really just kind of tested the waters, kind of felt our way through season two. You know, sophomore seasons for a show are typically are the ones that are either going to make it or break it. There were points during season two of the blacklist where the fans and even us were kind of like, eh, what are you guys trying to do here? By the time season two ended, I think we were in our groove because there was this cool little tool that came out. I know you've talked about it before. Heck, you might even have a podcast about it still called Clamor at about April in New Media Expo. Mm-hmm. And when Clamor came out, we had this brilliant brainchild idea of, you know, we're kind of funny on the show. At least we think we are. So let's test that theory and let's have people clamor weird stuff that we do on the show. So I think one of the, the big clamors that played a lot was uh, there was this episode where Liz is kind of hanging from chains in a ceiling and can't really touch the ground. And the, uh, the bad guy comes by and then she like just wraps her legs right around the, this lady's neck and just strangles her almost to death, wrestles her to the ground to get down and everything. So we called it the thigh vice <laughs> and, nice. and his clamor like goes crazy, right? Liz in the thigh vice. And once that happened, we figured we were onto something. So we had a contest and said, okay, whatever you guys can come up with the craziest clamors you can come up with the best ones we're going to feature at the end of the season. Well, we got these two guys, Rory and Bill and Rory and Bill put together some of the greatest clamors you've ever heard of. So to give you some context, I have a th- weird theory about the blacklist. Everybody hates my theory. We've actually told the theory to even people that run the show and they laugh about the theory. But my theory is, is that red Reddington had a sex change. And the reason why red Reddington is not the father is because red Reddington is actually Liz's mother. Dun, dun, dun. That's the theory. <laughs> So Bill, Bill and Rory go out and find the things that you would never expect to find. Now, Troy has this theory, if you've never listened before, that Red is, in fact, Liz's mom who had a surgery, a, a reconstructive surgery. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber. <laughs> and these went viral. They, they were huge. It got spread all over the Facebook groups. And so at the end of season two, we said, these guys were so great. We're going to let them hijack the show. And so for our our episode 27, Bill and Rory 
actually did the intro for episode 27, the whole thing introduced the show. They actually played a two and a half minute clamor tribute of all of their clamors stitched together. Aaron had no idea I had set this up. And so he was all pissed off. He's like, Oh, come on. Why can't I introduce myself? No one's going to know who I am. And I'm just, just shut up and go with it. And I play the whole thing and he's on the floor laughing and rolling hysterical. And I think it was at that point we knew we had something magical because then the fan, like every that was the greatest episode. It's one of our most popular episodes still to this day uh, in terms of downloads. Uh, I think it's like number two or three behind the John Bokenkamp interviews because he's the creator of the show. So people are obviously going to listen to him. Uh, but yeah, it was fantastic. From that point, we knew we were, we, were, we were money. So then we had to build all these relationships all summer. We're on this high right at the end of season two. So for three months, we got to cultivate this and work it. And we started putting out clamors of all the stuff that was season two stuff, trying to keep you know in the news media cycle, Twitter, Facebook, found all the Facebook groups, started interacting with people in the Facebook groups. And we ran across a person who knew one of the writers on the blacklist. And so when we went to go start out season three, we're like, this is it. We got to strike now, open up season three. One of these interviews with the writers kind of get his lay of the land Let's just get to talk, get him to talk about the writer's room and everything. So we had Daniel Knopf. And for those that don't know the name, he was the creator and the genius behind Carnival on HBO. And we had him on the podcast. And when you sit and listen to this interview, uh, it's episode number 30, I believe, of the podcast. And he has this really great profound line where I just kind of sit back every time I hear it and just get chills when I hear this line. But the fans like rail on these writers. They're like, Oh, why did you write that person that way? Why did you do that? Why did you do this? And people don't realize that there's a lot that goes into writing a television show. Cause you're not writing just the dialogue, but you're doing the blocking and the shoot it this way. And we kind of want to see this and see that. And here's the emotional angle of the, ep- of the scene. And he comes up and says, look, I take my job very seriously. Okay. 15 million people watch the blacklist. So for me, I am what stands between this person coming home from work, sitting down, having a frozen TV dinner, wants to escape their lives for 44 minutes. And if I don't do my job well, I just smoked 15 million hours of human life. Man. I was like, whoa. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Like, wow, that is just profound when you think about it. Because then you're like, what do I do in my job? How many people do I impact you know, how many people do I impact with my podcast and should I be doing something better? And like, I just, I feel like crap now because there's, I definitely don't think about that when I'm doing my stuff and I got to start thinking about that now. And it was, wow. Amazing, 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 amazing interview. But that wasn't even the best part. Well, okay. So you knew, so you knew somebody in your audience who knew the writer. So there again, goes back to that building that relationship with your audience. Cause if you didn't do that, then you wouldn't know the guy that knew the guy. So that's exactly. Cool. All right. Very cool. So obviously now that we know the guy who knows this guy, right. we're actually doing the season one premiere. We're doing the live tweeting thing. TV show fan podcast. Live tweeting is a must. Like you have to be there because that is the one hour that your entire fan base is locked in. At least we think they're locked in because, of course, you have live plus seven day viewing and DVR and all that stuff. But you got almost six million of that 15 million is captivated for that one hour, either on Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or Facebook or wherever. So you just got to be involved in that hour before, hour after, and the hour during. And we're so busy engaging with the audience, we get a tweet from one of our, I think it was actually Rory, sent me a, a direct message and said, hey, did you know that John Bokenkamp tweeted you? Now, John Bokenkamp is the creator of the show. And sure enough, there's a tweet that says, and I quote, like, hey, you interviewed Daniel Knopf. Where's my invite? Wow. And we're like, did he just invite himself onto our show? Did he call us out for not calling him? Like, holy crap. Did, did this just happen? And of course, we interviewed a creator before. So this is like, shouldn't be. But it's like, this is 15 million people on NBC in prime time with James Spader. Like, nobody wants to talk to guys, two guys in a basement. They want to buy the PR firm and right. hear the, the creators reaching out to us. So obviously we're doing something right. So we work it out with his people. We figure out, hey, we're on this eight episode run to the winter break. Let's go ahead and just do like a, a winter break wrap up with John Bokenkamp kind of episode. And so we plan it and that's where we got. And as we're going through that interview, 
we were kind of going back and forth, Aaron and I, saying, should we ask him? Should we ask him if season four has been renewed yet? Because we hadn't heard anything. So we're like, we we're going to throw out the question. And Aaron's like, no, let's, just, let, let's ask it. So Aaron just kind of nonchalantly is like, well, you know, John, season four is going to happen, right? I mean, it's pretty much in the bag. And John's like, oh, yeah, we knew about season four a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely renewed for season four. Nice. And we're like, okay. So then immediately we're scouring the internet, right? It, where's the press release? Where's the press release? Is it, is it out there? Is it out there? It's not out there. So we're like, okay, well, we want to do our standard press release. Hey, we had John Camp on. Here's some things he talked about. Here's the time codes if you want to get it. And at the very bottom of that press release, we said, oh, and John announced that season four was a go. Here's the time code. Figured no one's going to read it, right? For two guys in a basement. And sure enough, not like an hour later, the rap.com sends me an email and says, Hey, you know, this is great. Uh, thanks for the clip. We're going to run the story. And at that moment, like I just went sheet white because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what did we just do? Because where this is kind of cool, NBC is going to blacklist us. John's going to blacklist us. Nope. Or pun intended, I guess, in this case. <laughs> I, I was scared. I was like, oh my gosh, we just made a ton of work for a lot of people that don't even know who the heck we are. <laughs> and sure enough, then like an hour later, you have Entertainment Weekly, the Blacklist Exposed podcast. John says season four is renewed. We've confirmed with NBC that this is a go. But then it was like, then it, once EW had it, then it was Hyde Reporter, Variety, you name it. Any entertainment mag that you can think of has John Bokenkamp on the blacklist exposed linked said that season four is a go and the nice. downloads just went like it, like it, the counter couldn't keep up spinning that fast. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous for like three days. And then it was at that moment where it's like, Oh my gosh, we're like going to blow up. We need a VA. We got to figure out all the stuff out. And, and what I can tell you is, is like where that was great. And that episode I think has done almost ballpark 15,000 downloads at this point that one episode hit big, but it translated into a bump, a small bump in the actual run of the show for the rest of the podcast numbers. So again, just because you have one glory moment, one spike does not mean hockey stick growth. Yeah. It's, it means that whole, it's a spike. It's that whole thing where it's like, if I could just get that one big guest, well, you had the one big guest and uh, that's interesting. And the promotion. And yeah. The and the promotion. Well, let's go back to that a second. How, what did you use to send a press release? I sent my email. I had a very simple email. <laughs> That's all I had. I just went to every single website, went to their, you know, where's your news story submission link on your website? Is it a, you know, news at EW.com or, or PR at EW.com? And I just collected all the email addresses and I dumped them all in the BCC line. And I just wrote a basic email. Hey, everybody. Troy here from the Blacklist Exposed podcast website. Just wanted to let you know John Pokenkamp was on the show. Here's some things he talked about. Point one, point two, point three, point four, point five with time codes. If you want to use any of it for your websites, that'd be great. Just please give us attribution if you run anything. Thanks. That was it. All right. Notice what he did here. He didn't use some sort of PR firm. I'm, I'm cutting in again. I know. He went to all those websites. Thus, he did the work. Remember when I said you have to build, when you're going to build your audience, you have to go where they are. Or in this case, if you want to find influencers that can help build your audience, you have to go where they are. He got their email addresses. He's got the forms, whatever he had to do to get it. And then when he had something worthy to tell, so remember I always say bring value. When he had real value to deliver to these people, he's like, hey, check this out. Season four confirmed. So great job on that. Just wanted to point out the obvious in case you missed that. Troy did the work. Not nice. even a, not a formal press release, not a you yeah. know pound sign, pound sign at the bottom. Just a simple email into the newsroom, and somebody just happened to catch it and and ran with it. Yeah, because I know there's services like PR Web and all these other different places that'll you know you you post your your press release and it's supposed to you know disperse amongst people, but you just, you went the old fashioned way. You went out and got the emails yourself. Why not? Doggone it. Yeah, no doubt. And then if they email you back, then you have contacts and right. you're building up that contact list for future stuff, which is how you want it to happen, which is what we did. So where do you go from there? You got the, the head guy from the, the show. So what? now we call NBC and we're, you know, Hey, PR department, <laughs> really sorry for what happened. Didn't realize it was going to blow up. 
but if you want to do some stuff, obviously we're getting some notice now. So let's talk and see what we can do. And we still had a couple weeks before the show came back on and we were looking for content to run. And we ended up getting one of the actors on, Amir Arison, who plays Rom, the kind of techie computer guy. Uh, great interview. Uh, we got to make t-shirts from his mom. His mom says the greatest stuff. Uh, you can check that out in episode 40 of the Blacklist Exposed. Really, really funny conversation. And after that, then we just kind of started to make the connections in the writer's room and with John. And he introduced to his assistant, obviously, to book the interview. And she helped us talk to a couple other people. And right about this time, they decided to make a comic book to expand the universe of the Blacklist. And Nicole Phillips, great lady, she actually worked on the comic book for the Fringe television show. And so we reached out to her and said, hey, you know, Golden Spiral Media, we were the home of the big Fringe podcast. Uh, we love Fringe, love to talk to you. We think it's great you're doing a comic book. And so we had Nicole come on just as the first five issues was ending, which covered one blacklister. And the second five issues were about to start for the second blacklister. And so we were kind of doing a, a promotional drop, like on January 20th, you know, issue five is coming out. Make sure you go catch the, the graphic novel for the complete first five and then go ahead and pick up the new comic book through Titan Comics. So then we're getting Titan Comics uh, involved in the in the PR and spreading the word. Nice. Uh, which was great. Uh, buy it on Amazon, buy it on Comixology. So now we're branching out to like services so we're, we can start to say, hey, you know, we supported your Titan comic book. Do you want to promote some of your Titan stuff on our show so we can think about advertising concepts for season four uh, and just work in that relationship with Nicole and Nicole then got us into talking with some of the other writers and that started off something that I thought was really, really cool for the show, which was we wanted to feature the writers because they're kind of like the unsung heroes, right? Nobody sees the writers. We said, you know what? The writers really do a great job. They put a lot of work into this from Daniel Knopf's interview. So we're going to have the writers come on and introduce the podcast. So we did things like, you know, hey, this is Dave Metzger and I wrote number 113 Drexel and you're listening to the Blacklist Exposed on Golden Spiral Media. Just these short drops. And so nice. we did that for pretty much every show there forward for the end of season three, including one by the Dave Thomas. And I say the Dave Thomas because hopefully a lot of the people in the listening audience will know when I say the Dave Thomas who that is. And if not, we'll just call him Strange Brew, Great White North, Bob and Doug McKenzie, that Dave Thomas. Good day. How's it going? I'm Bob McKenzie. It's my brother, Doug. How's it going? Hey, we today. got two topics today. Back bacon. Yeah. Take off you hoser introduced our podcast. And at that moment I was like, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> I well, plateaued at that point. That's it. Well, here's my question. Do, is there such a thing as an official NBC podcast or are they just saying, Hey, we got two guys in the basement in Chicago. Let's just use them. Yeah. Well, so season one, they did a kind of web series that was called Aram's notes. And so it was like a little three minute, four minute, which I'm sure is, you know, obviously for the YouTube content, mostly to put on the YouTube channel, but there's no official long form discussion after show. Like you would see like, uh, was it Chris Hardwick doing on the walking dead right. on AMC? Nothing like that for the blacklist. We're kind of that those people right now, I guess. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a ride for season three and well, and, and you've also got a ton of swag. I know there for a while. It's like, look, what is somebody else who sent me this? Somebody else who sent me that. So really, really great story was that John Bissell is the music director for the show uh, and him and John Bokenkamp, crazy music people. And they said, why don't we do this really cool thing where you can take a record for those of you that don't know what that is. It's a, it's a plastic disc. <laughs> it's really large about the size of your head. It spun on this thing and went around in circles and you actually put sharp objects on top of it to make noise. And they decided that they were going to make a vinyl record of most of the best songs from season one. That's kind of like a soundtrack. The key though, was that in this record, they decided to make it red vinyl because the guy's name is Raymond red Reddington. And sure enough, the thing comes in the mail and you open it up and they got this like dossier booklet inside and it's all red X's and you're just sitting there going, huh? They did it. They actually did what I thought they were going to do. So you take the red record and you slide it over the red X's and oh my gosh, it's a giant decoder ring. This is nice. the coolest thing ever. 
you know, hey, we'll put up a post because you sent us the free stuff. Nice. Very that, cool. That followed on actually getting something else, which was really cool. Uh, if anybody watched Lost and knows about the Lost Encyclopedia, it is probably like the essential element to have besides the cool uh, Dharma Temple Blu-ray, all seven seasons or six seasons in one box uh, box set. That's cool with like the the black and white game and everything. But this Lost Encyclopedia is everything you want to know about the show. And it's written by Paul Terry and Tara Bennett. And they do a phenomenal job with fan content and putting it in these types of publications. And so we got wind that Paul Terry and Tara Bennett were doing a blacklist encyclopedia of sorts for the show. And so we reached out and said, hey, you know, we own the encyclopedia. We own September's Notebook. We heard you doing the blacklist thing. This would be awesome. And Paul's like, we'll send you a copy. So they sent us a copy. We kind of looked through it and we're like, this is actually really cool. Very. And so cool. we had them on and interviewed them and had a great chat. It was awesome. Nice. Well, I'm sure somebody's going to want me to ask this question. And this is, uh, well, I, I think I know the answer to this. Are you making any money at this? Making any money from the blacklist itself, we are not making anything substantial. But, um, but l- l- let me interrupt here for a second because I want to make a point, and I think I know where I'm. I think I know where we're heading with this. Are you having any fun with this? Oh my gosh, I'm having a blast! Yeah. So does this mean you can actually do a podcast without making money, and it's okay? It's totally okay because <laughs> we didn't even talk about the greatest thing that happened. All right, but wait, there's more. All oh, right, wait, there's the- more. I was on vacation with my family in California going to Disneyland, hanging out, minding our own business. And I'm like, oh, wait, they write the blacklist at the Paramount Studios here in Hollywood. Right. So I call up John, John's assistant. Hey, hey, you know, we're in town. It's like, want to get together? Mom always said, right? Doesn't hurt to ask. All they can say is no. Right. Sure enough, they write back and said, come on over. How about this time on Monday? Let's come on over and have a chat. We'll give you a tour. So sure enough, we went over to Paramount there on Melrose and got inside and oh my gosh, we're on the Paramount lot and they shoot all this stuff here and got the tour and all that good stuff. And we went over to the blacklist offices and John Bokenkamp was supposed to be in New York that day. He told me, he's like, man, I'm really sorry. I can't meet you. I got to go to the, they, sh- they shoot the show in New York. And so like, I got to go to New York. I got to take care of some stuff. So we thought we we're going to meet just some of the writers, which is totally cool, right? We're in the writer's room, right. get to see some of the stuff that's going on and get to meet some of the people we interviewed. And as we're finishing up with some of the writers downstairs, uh, one of the people comes down and says, Hey, you know, John will be ready for you in about, you know, 20 minutes. Well, John Eisendraft is kind of like the co-executive producer, uh, Beverly Hills, down to two and oh, he did alias. John Eisendraft is like kind of one of my like all time hero kind of things because of alias. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to meet John Eisendraft. Now this is totally cool. We get upstairs and Boken camp is actually there. He's not in New York. Nice. <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh, like you're not supposed to be here. And we literally sat in John Bokenkamp's office for an hour, just talking like we were old friends. And he actually interviewed me more than I interviewed him for that hour. He's like asking stuff about like why podcasting and, you know, why did you go to Haiti? Why did you think that was a fun experience? And, you know, why did, you know, what do you do for the day job and all this stuff? And then he's like, I got to go get something to drink. I want to go get something to drink. So then we actually walked around the Paramount lot and he's like showing us all the cool stuff about Paramount and where they do the editing and where they do the dailies. And, and it, we're just walking around with the creator of a show for a major network. This is like the CEO, right? We're hanging right. out with the CEO, two guys in a basement, no marketing budget, just really like watching TV. Well, that's interesting though. It makes me wonder if he was trying, you know, I always say get to know your audience so that you can create a product that's, you know, fits their needs or whatever. And I wonder if that's what he was doing there. He was just trying to understand what you find entertaining or, you know, I know we, we've talked about your uh, um, your theory of, of Red having a sex change. And I, I think you said in uh, in Chicago that you wonder sometimes if, if John is thrown in stuff just to, to fuel that fire. He's he's denied it. We've asked him specifically about yeah. one specific scene and said, you totally threw that in there because you knew about the theory. And he's like, no, no, we totally didn't. We totally did not. Um, <laughs> I still I still say he did it on purpose, but. Uh, it's kind of fun to think like they could actually be doing stuff like that without us knowing. Um, and, and the one thing that's really great about it is that what you just said actually kind of happened. We did our season three wrap up interview with him and he actually asked us that question. He's like, so what are all the theories out there? We know about this theory and this theory, but you guys are the, you guys are the front lines to the fans. Like what are, what are all the theories out there? And so he's actually asking us for Intel, 
which I thought that was really cool. So we're really kind of like the go between. We have the we are the voice of the audience, yeah, uh, to the creator. That's kind of a powerful position to be in, and something you have to take with great responsibility. Are there any downsides to this podcast at this point? Uh, we recorded on Saturday mornings, really, really, really early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because of the wife and the family and things uh-huh. of that nature. Because uh, it's a Saturday, right? You work all week, and then you're supposed to be watching shows and notes and time. So Saturday should really be a family day. Um, so we try to record it as early as we can. We edit it on Saturday because we have we're at that point now where we're on people's schedules that we talk about. Like always be you know same day, same time because people get in the routine. And if the show's not out by noon on Saturday, we got Twitter and Facebook like, where's the show? Where's the show? Where's the show? Holy cow. So we try to get it out by noon on Saturdays. Sometimes we hit four. But yeah, we're, it's a blast right now. And then we found out, of all things, when, we were, when I was actually in L.A., John drops the nugget that they were picked up for a 23rd episode for season three, and they were going to do this backdoor pilot for a spinoff show. And we're like, holy crap, you're getting a spinoff show after three seasons? NBC must really like you. So that we're like, yes, we hit a gold mine. Yeah. Um, and then so they're actually going to do eight episodes of a show called The Blacklist Redemption that'll hopefully be airing between halves of the blacklist. Like they'll do like maybe 10 and then eight and then 12 to finish it out. And that's what we're hoping for because then we can just keep the same feed, the same artwork and just roll with it as part of the blacklist universe. Uh, And that would be awesome because then we'll have more stuff to talk about and more time to hang out with the fans. Cause that's, that's really what summer sucks for (laughs) right now is uh, we just, we don't get to hang out with the fans so much and interact as much. So we're actually doing a, a full 67 day countdown uh, rewatch. So if you want to watch every episode of the blacklist, uh, right now we're on day number 65 as we record this podcast, uh, which is a Wednesday. And so as we count down, we'll just watch another episode one every day. It's on Netflix. So check it out. You can then listen to the podcast after you watch the show. Oh, nice. I'll have to check that out. Well, I have a couple of quick, uh, questions of, of things that you mentioned there. Uh, I want to go back, go back to, when you kind of found a new co-host um, and it sounds like that went pretty smooth. Did you guys have anything in writing or, or a, a, a handshake or how did you, cause I, I've just heard those at times when people decide to get somebody else or, or somebody leaves, sometimes it's not always that amicable. Was there anything that you guys had set up ahead of time that allowed that to go smooth? We don't have any kind of formal written agreement. We don't have any legal binding document. Everything is split 50-50 or in this case, something like, I don't know, 80, 40, 40, 20, because I'm sure Daryl would get a cut too for Golden Spiral for hosting it. But yeah, it's we want to do it because we like hanging out with each other and we love talking about this stuff. Aaron and I are doing all kinds of other things as well. We've got this podcast called Remake This Movie Right, um, where we just take old movies and say, if we want to see them today, what will we do differently? Recast them, retell the story a little bit differently with a twist. And, and that's been taken off. That's at remake this movie, right.com just because we love talking about entertainment and we want to just do it with the people that we like hanging out with. Well, and and speaking of hanging out with people, you mentioned in Chicago, who was the guy that came on the show that, um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the writers or somebody or, Totally. So this one was actually Aaron's story and I, sh- I should have Aaron come on to tell it, but Aaron does a show called the Hollywood outsider at the hollywoodoutsider.com. And he has been doing movie stuff for as long as I can remember. And on that show, they had this giant battle with the hosts about whether or not tremors was sci-fi or not. And after <laughs> efforts went on for a couple episodes and it's giant debate, the guy that wrote tremors, SS Wilson he came on and said, we're, we're going to settle this once and for all. So he did an interview with Aaron about was Tremors sci-fi or not. Well, that actually got SS Wilson to appreciate what Aaron does and knew that Aaron was a true cinephile. So he basically stayed in touch with Aaron. And then when we got to the point of doing remake this movie right for short circuit, SS Wilson wrote short circuit. And so Aaron reached out to SS Wilson and said, Hey, do you want to come remake your own movie? And we're figuring he's going to be like, no way. Why would I want to do that? Uh, he totally picked up on the idea. We had a blast remaking it. He actually likes the concept. I uh, don't know if he can actually use it and we can get some story credits or not. Uh, but he, he loved what we came up with so much and he enjoyed himself so much that he actually asked to come back on the show a second time. So here we have a true Hollywood screenwriter talking again, two guys in a basement, just hanging out, talking about 
entertainment and movies and film and TV. And it's just fun. Fun is the best part. Like you, you go to work all day, eight hours, you're supposed to like your job and there's days you love it. And there's days where you're just like, eh, you know, could have had a better day today, but this is just fun. It's like the release and energy and you get pumped up and you get to talk to all the fans. And I think that's the best part is just making the relationships. We never would have met Rory. We never would have met Bill. Uh, Bill actually lives really close to us. So still trying to get lunch with Bill at some point when I go up to a Packers game. But yeah, it's been fantastic. What at this point, are we happy with just the pod? Do you have any new podcast coming or is that enough? I mean, you've got, oh you've got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. We haven't even talked about like 11, 63, uh, which was that Hulu, uh, show about Stephen King's time travel thriller. Uh, Wayne and I did that one. Cause again, Stephen King, we picked right. up, we basically went to our under the dome radio audience and said, Hey, we're doing Stephen King again. You want to come along for the ride? Nice. You know what happened last time? <laughs> we're warning you now. Uh, it's on Hulu. So <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, but yeah, it was, actually was a really interesting experience because it was on Hulu. It, it was JJ Abrams. So pretty much anything JJ touches, it's going to be at least decent. Right. Uh, at least make it to the end and make sense. <laughs> but. Uh, we did this 112263 podcast and we actually really got into Instagram for it because it's on Hulu. You got your mobile device sitting there. There's these really great shots during the show. So we're just screen capturing on our phone, edit them up. And we use this really cool tool called word swag. I'm assuming most podcasters know about this by now. And if you don't, you need to get on that right ASAP after you hang up with this episode uh, because word swag lets us do all these kind of crazy things. So one of the episodes was a guy who m- murders his family with a giant sledgehammer. And there's this great shot of him holding the sledgehammer inside of an old uh, meat packing facility where they would kill the cows. And so Wayne in all of his infinite wisdom gets the right snap of this uh, when he takes the screenshot and then does the word swag, you know, stop hammer time puts it on Instagram and it goes viral because everybody's like just, you know, appalled, but laughing at the same time that this would come up. And we started doing that. We should get really weird, creative things with the show on Instagram to the point where 112263 on Hulu, their Instagram account, the main account started loving what we were doing and actually sent us a thank you kit for promoting the show. And we got a whole bunch of swag from the 112263 people. So that was really, really awesome. Surprisingly, we actually had a fairly sizable audience for a show that's on streaming media. Right. Like we had more people do the 112263 podcast than we actually had doing the dome podcast, which was on mainstream broadcast. So we were, we were shocked. We were like, holy crap, there's, like, there's, like, there's a following for this show. Uh, we don't know if that was because of Dome coming over and having the built-in audience or if people like JJ or if people like Stephen King and just like the novel. Um, but yeah, we had a, a pretty sizable following for only having eight episodes to promote it. Well, um, and the, the beauty of Stephen King is if you just wait like 20 minutes, he'll write a new book and then you can just cover it. So. That's totally true. <laughs> we got to work on the Finders Keepers trilogy. Uh, that'll be the fun one. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, we do have uh, Aaron and I are actually working on a special project for later this fall as new TV uh, rolls out. That'll be on Golden Spiral Media. So just keep your eye on Golden Spiral Media and you'll see the announcement. Uh, but it'll be very, very interesting. Uh, we'll just say that to say the least. And Wayne and I will be back for season six of the Packers Fan Podcast, which got its first sponsor uh, this year. So we were able to capitalize on our podcast award nomination in the sports category and uh, got our app paid for, which was awesome for two years. Um, thanks to the Ticket King. Nice. And now we had two other people actually today uh, emailed us asking us to have sponsorships on the Packers show. So beautiful. Well, all right, well, so back up. How'd you get a sponsor? How did we get a sponsor? <laughs> It is not, it doesn't work like this in normal life. I just want to put this out there. It, okay. You don't just write one tweet and have a guy, and you just don't have like one guy tweet <laughs> you, and you just don't have one guy email you out of the blue and say, hey, I'm really looking for some inbound SEO traffic for my website. I see that you guys are a Packers site. We sell Packers tickets at the cheapest price in town. We just want to get some, we just want to get some inbound link traffic. That, that's our goal. It's like, well, you know, our, our, our website is really kind of an extension of the podcast, so people don't really go to the website unless they actually hear us on the show first. So we try to negotiate with them and say, Hey, you know, if you sponsor the whole season, we'll, you know, like $4,000, you'll get a mid roll, a pre roll, the podcast, 
banner art links. We'll, we'll, we'll treat you right. Right. If you just 4,000 bucks for the season. Uh, and, and then he informed us very kindly that that was half of his radio budget uh, that he spends with WTMJ, the flagship station of the Packers. Okay. And we're like, okay, well, were we priced high or are you just not getting a lot of value out of the radio spot? So we kind of sat on that and we're like, okay, well we can, we can help him with his inbound link traffic. We just really want an app. So, okay, what's good for us? What's good for him? So we want an app. He wants inbound link traffic. Every time we say on the podcast, download the app. Here's the link on the website. He gets the link traffic. Let's just 500 bucks sponsor the app and we're golden. And he's like, done. Sent the check like 10 minutes later over PayPal. Nice. So we didn't even have the ad copy, ad design or whatever. He just literally PayPal. Here's 500 bucks. And we're like, we didn't have an agreement. We didn't have like a legal document or anything. He just cut the check. So we made the app this summer and had our first memories episode kick off. And we're getting ready for the big Brett Favre uh, Hall of Fame induction here in a couple weeks. And nice. He'll be off and running, and people can buy Packers tickets at theticketking.com. Uh, did they make the app? Did you make the app? And they're just, you're slapping their stuff on it. Who'd you use to, to make your app? Is this when I get kicked off your show because I say the word Spreaker no, that's instead right. of Lipson? No. <laughs> yeah, we used Spreaker to make the app. Um, I know Rob and I had conversations about the apps at a podcast movement. I don't know if Rob liked me much after that conversation. <laughs> but Spreaker was nice because they have a really great way that there's a uh, banner at the top of the app mm-hmm. that you can actually change on a regular basis. So uh-huh. I, I, well, I actually got the uh, idea from Jim from uh, ask the podcast coach. Right. Cause Jim did the, uh, was a home gadget geeks. He got a sponsor for yep. uh, using the speaker app. So same exact concept. We have the, the banner at the top of the app. Uh, that way we can change it out as we have different sponsors. And well, in this case, Ticket King has it for the year. Right. So yeah, it was just easy to do. Got the artwork made up, put it out there in their colors and boom, app was made through Spreaker. So we have iOS and Android for both the blacklist and for Packers fan podcast. Obviously you're a big Twitter guy. I, I suck like so bad at Twitter. So give me some, some Twitter one one tips. Like what do you, what tools do you use? Things like that. So I'm, I suck at Twitter too. Okay. I'll, I'll just be honest. Uh, I don't do a lot with my personal account. I probably should do more with my personal account. I'm trying to figure out cause it's always that balance when people want to find you as a person versus you as your show. I know Daniel had this kind of conundrum when he was doing his thing of, you know, I just want to be known as like the Daniel J Lewis everywhere. Uh, the audacity is part of my, you know, my brand kind of thing. For us with the TV fan podcast, I think people resonate with the show, the blacklist. So somewhere in the Twitter handle has to be blacklist or resurrection or dome or what have you. Um, So we always make show specific accounts. One, because I don't think everybody wants to hear from my personal Twitter account every 10 minutes, all the clamors that we're doing for the blacklist podcast would drive them crazy. Um, Then we do the show specific accounts. So the tips there from a show specific uh, perspective, like for Packers, just sit on Twitter during the game and just literally see what people are tweeting and just have conversations. So it's not even like you're creating your own tweets per se. It's just the engagement factor on Twitter. Cause as you're engaging in those conversations, the, the icon is showing up on the hashtag. So if people are searching uh, hashtag Packers or hashtag go pack, go they're seeing Packers fan podcast, Packers fan podcast, Packers fan podcast, always popping up. And then when you actually log into Twitter on the web, and it actually shows like the, you know, the top accounts or top tweets, your account is up in that top accounts area. So then people are like, Oh, that's somebody I should follow. And we've actually built a strong followership base because of that, because we're interacting more than we're actually creating content on Twitter. Um, so that could be one strategy is to communicate more with people versus talking at people, which is, I know it's weird for podcasters since that's what we're doing all day is talking at people but we, if you build the community first, then the community comes to you. I think both accounts are over 2000 followers already, which is pretty, pretty big for again, two guys in a basement. One of the things we do do, which I thought was really brilliant is of course, images in Twitter uh, and video in Twitter is actually really huge. So we actually made a graphic for Instagram and Twitter that like at the commercial breaks, we'll throw out there and just says, you know, thoughts on the episode, call phone number, email address, uh, the blacklist, we haven't done anything creative for it. It's just like a, a hand by an ear kind of thing. Like, Hey, we're listening. But for the eleven twenty two sixty three podcast, we did the exact same image artwork in the branded colors. Of course, change it from red and black to you know blue and, and black and white 
for uh, 112263, but there was this phone booth and uh, the main character, Jay Epping goes in the phone booth and he's like trying to call his dad in the past. Granted, he's not even born yet. So stupid move. And they have this concept that the past pushes back. So of course, as he's in the phone booth, this car comes driving and almost takes him out, right? Just crashes into the phone booth, destroys the phone booth. So in the graphic, we actually did a Photoshop of the phone booth into that artwork. And that's what got us all of our listener feedback for 112263 was that graphic on Twitter and Instagram saying, hey, the phone booth is open. Come to the phone booth. Make sure you jump in the phone booth. Be careful when you jump in the phone booth. You might get hit, you know, <laughs> and, and that just kind of took off on its own viral thing from there. And that's how we got everybody calling in because they were like, oh, I want to be in the phone booth. And then people were recording their own like oh my gosh, I got to wrap this up really quick. I think I hear a car coming and they would have a car sound effect come in and crash because they hung up the phone with the Delta. You have some very creative fans. It's like, holy cow, between the, the clam. Because usually when you, when people use clamorts to clamor stuff that you've already created, they're making up their own stuff. I mean, that's amazing right there to me. And, and now you've got people adding sound effects to their, their call and stuff. That's really cool. It, it's we. We love them at the same time. We also scratch and go like, what do you guys do for your day job? Because <laughs> I, I want to hire you to do all this stuff for me. So I don't have to do this stuff. This is great. And then is it, do you just use Twitter? Or are you using any kind of special tools or not, not? I mean, for the most part, Buffer has been our, our big fan. If we're trying to do any kind of like long set up a week or whatever to make sure we got content that's going out constantly. But really, we're just you got to keep engaged in the moment because the tweet lasts, you know, whatever, 20 seconds right? Uh, when it's out there. So if we see something come in with an at mention, make sure the push notifications are on for your at mentions and your direct messages. Respond to those as quickly as you can. Let me uh, I'll pull one up for you, actually, that happened today because I thought this was really cool. We were talking to uh, Christy Rogers. Christy Rogers said, hey, guys, I've listened to every single podcast and Heart, wavy, emoticon. Love you guys. Uh, can't wait for season four, September 22nd, but dread the wait for the following Saturday rewatch and listening to all of you. Thumbs up, clappy hands, high five hands, raised hands. And I wrote her back and said, thanks so much, Christy. We can't wait to get back uh, with Red and friends as well. We miss all of you, Troy. And Christy's like, wow, wasn't expecting that. Totally made my day. Thanks so much, Troy. There you go. So just because you took time to say, hey, we miss you too, you know, they know that we're listening, we're still out there, and that helps. Well, and that's one of those things where, you know, I could say, well, Troy, the, the reason she said that is because, you know, you're the Troy Heinrichs, to which, you know, but it is. It's one of those things where when you get something, because we're, it's like you said, I'm just two guys in the basement in Chicago. Uh, you know, I'm just a guy from Akron, Ohio in my apartment, but whether we want it or not, the host has this weird, like, wow, you're the host kind of thing going on. So when you interact with your audience, it is kind of like, wow, that was really cool. And and now that person is out probably telling somebody about your show and all it took was a tweet. So that's a beautiful thing. I mean, the greatest thing for us was we did a, well, two things. We did a live season two fan meetup at a Dr. Who cafe called the blue box uh, out here in a suburb of uh, Chicago we had mostly families and friends showed up, but some people showed up. Uh, so that was really cool. But, but we recorded it, put it out on YouTube. So people knew that we were actually up for doing the idea. And so we're probably going to get uh, a lot more people. We're trying to do some kind of season four kickoff thing. Uh, some plans are going for that. Uh, but then we went to a golden spiral meetup while we were at podcast movement for any golden spiral fans that were in town. And we got to meet a couple of our listeners and Hannah was so great. Like she saw me, she's like, Oh my God, it's Troy. And it's like, I'm just a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's okay, but at the same time, you're kind of you, you kind of fan out a little bit, and and we do the same thing. Like, oh my god, it's John Bogan Camp, and so when we did that, and Hannah's just just big hug, right? And it's like I'm just so appreciative of you listening to the show because my wife was probably like, when is he going to give up this podcasting thing? He never hangs <laughs> out with the family. Um, but it's people like Hannah where it's like, I if I can impact and change her life for you know an hour and ninety minutes or an hour and twenty minutes a, a di- you know a week. You know, that that's great for me because otherwise who knows what would be happening with those people out there. Exactly. Well, that, that, this will be my last question. Uh, cause you brought them up. So I'm going to go there. How do you balance your podcast with two kids and, and everything else and a job and things like that? The good thing is, is the kids are young. So, and they go to school super early. Oh my gosh. I don't know why they make the schedule, but my kids go to school at seven forty in the morning. 
but luckily my, my wife stays home. So she's great for that and takes care of the kids. Uh, so she actually helps me get them all out the door. You know, I take them to school in the morning, drop them off seven forty five. So they got to be in bed. I mean, asleep by eight o'clock. So that, that's a benefit. Uh, my wife, because she's with the kids all day, homework and all that stuff. She's pretty tired. So she's pretty much in and down by nine. So as long as I'm like nine and after PM, I'm usually pretty golden for anything I want to do. Biking, walking, podcasting, TV watching. Sometimes I do all three at the same time. <laughs> Watch, talk, and bike. Because um, I have a stationary in my basement. Excellent. There you uh, go. That's how you do it. You yeah. multitask. Uh, TiVo helps because TiVo introduced a 1.3 X speed to watch like shows now. Nice. So I can zip through usually what was now 44 minutes without commercials. Now it goes to like 38. Um, so I can get a lot of TV watching in that way to make sure I can watch it once or twice before we record the show. But yeah, we just try to make sure it's in the evenings. And when Wayne and I are doing a show, it's great because he's West coast. Uh, so I'm like, can we record at 10? He's like, it's eight here. Sure. No problem. So West, uh, find a West Coast host if you're an East Coast person. That's that's a big a big plus. Aaron is great because we just figure out what works best for us when we can do it. And Saturday mornings work so far, so we're keeping it on Saturdays for the foreseeable future. The big thing is though is make sure that you're um, intentional yeah. about the time. So a great example would be we record Packers fan podcast on Tuesday nights after the Sunday game, and we record I think it's about like nine thirty Central Time, seven thirty Pacific. And during the evenings, my daughter has gymnastics from 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. Well, if I go to work and I'm done usually, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock or whatever, I'm not going to drive home, sit at home for 20 minutes, get back in the car and go sit over at the gymnastics thing and wait for her to get done. So I started saying, you know what, I'm just going to hang out at work. And from 6 o'clock until I have to leave at 7.15 to go pick her up, that hour and 15 minutes is like dedicated news stories, outline, show notes, get it all, artwork, get it all done in that hour and 15 minutes. Then all we have to do is record the show, edit and put it up and we're done Tuesday night and never have to think about Packers again for another six days. And that gives us a great time because then that whole six days is social media interaction, you know, engaging with the fans, talking about the game, talking about the players, um, blacklist. We kind of do the same thing where Thursday night we do the, we kind of do a pre-show blab, Rory has actually taken up that charge of doing a pre-show blab. So I don't want to be involved in that because, again, it'd be another hour I have to commit to the right. blacklist. But I'm and don't blab and drive at the same time. But we're driving to pick up my daughter on Thursday nights from gymnastics while the blab is going on. So I'm I'm Troy, the blacklist guy in his car for a half an hour uh, during that blab event before we get ready for the show. So that's how I was able to not do the blab, have your audience uh, do some of your stuff for you, which is really great. Uh, and just be aware of it and be part of it. And so that helped us out there. And then with Blacklist, we do all of the show prep pretty much on Friday night. I do a lot of the outline stuff on Friday night. Aaron does his outline when he does his rewatch at 6 a.m. Saturday morning before we record at 7.30. And again, it's, again, it's not taking away from family time because everybody's asleep, right. uh, which is great. Uh, and then Instagram stuff, I try to do Instagram and word swag when I'm like at soccer practice on Saturday or waiting for donuts on Sunday or whenever I can find time in the line. If I'm at Starbucks or grocery store, making all the Instagram stuff for the week. And then when uh, lunchtime rolls around at lunch, just make sure my schedule's all set up for everything to go out on Monday. And then hopefully it just feeds itself. And then again, interaction Monday through Thursday, uh, just on all that stuff that goes out. And that's really the key. That's awesome to hear because I always say it's, you know, it's not enough to just make it. You do have to go out and promote, go where your audience is, create those relationships because just making the podcast, you know, a building they will come is just not the case. And obviously you're out there promoting it. So, well, Troy, where can we send people to find all things Troy? Oh, my gosh. Uh, probably the easiest thing to do would be to head over to, I guess, go to about.me slash Troy Heinrichs that should have all the links to all the shows over there. Okay. Um, or you can just go ahead and head over to golden spiral media.com. You'll find 11, You'll find blacklist exposed. Uh, pretty much everything is the name of the show. So 11, podcast.com, the blacklist exposed.com Packers fan podcast.com remake this movie, right.com the Hollywood outsider.com. And still go to underthedomeradio.com if you want and resurrectionrevealed.com. Those are still out there uh, if you want to check out those shows. So yeah, it's it's a 
A lot of podcasting in three years. I was going to say, man, that's a lot of content. Holy cow. But uh, you're having fun. That's the key. You know? Yeah. And if we, we made some money for a little while and if we can, again, you know, have some sponsors come in or figure out a way to monetize some stuff, that's great. But at this point, you know, free stuff is great too. Uh, if, you know, Fans want to put us up for a day and do a fan event in Kansas City or Texas or wherever. We'll travel and hang out with everybody because that's I think that's more uplifting because we know that we're providing a value and a service to somebody who can better their life. And it really that's what we're put on the earth to do is just make relationships and understand who human beings are and just go around and spread the love. What a story. Think about all the stuff there that we just, you know, this all started literally with a tweet. He just reached out to, he looked at the different actors on the show, a Bible verse caught his eye, and he thought, you know, I'm going to tweet this guy. Why not? What's it going to hurt? That led to ABC and their PR company calling to see how they could help the new podcast. He talked about IMDB. If you're doing any kind of entertainment podcast, that's a great tip. Go out, make a list of everybody you want to talk to, upgrade to the pro account, get all their information, and then unsubscribe if you want to. And then through building relationships with his audience, someone in his audience knew one of the writers. I've heard that time and time again. I needed something, and it turns out that somebody in my audience knew such and such, or somebody in my audience could do this or that. And relationships with the PR people led to interviews with more writers. Uh, Interviews with the writers led to the interview of the guy who actually created the show. And now Troy and his co-host are seen as the voice of the audience. He's received free swag from companies to promote. And the other thing I want to point out here, right? He did get his, uh, he and Wayne on the Packers fan podcast have not gotten a sponsor, but the big thing I want to point out here is he's having a blast. And you know, if you want to make money with your podcast, that's fine. I do. But I'm just here to point out that you don't have to make money with your podcast. If you just want to do it for fun, because, oh my gosh, I just got to meet one of the people that I can't believe I just met. That's a payment. It doesn't have to be, what's your CPM? And all that other stuff. And that's really one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to bring Troy on is because the guy's having a blast. He's getting all these opportunities that he couldn't have gotten anywhere else except for his podcast. So, Troy, thank you so much. Again, his website's The Blacklist Exposed. PackersFanPodcast.com, or for all things Troy, as well as everybody else, uh, GoldenSpiralMedia.com, and that is his network that he's on. That's run by my buddy Daryl Darnell, who is over at Pro Podcast Solutions, and uh, if you're looking for an editor, uh, Daryl does a great job, and uh, that is going to do it. I realize this show is a little long. You guys can let me know. Did you make it through the end of the, the, uh, <laughs> the episode? I liked it. And uh, I hope you did too. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Subscribe to the show and never miss another episode by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. So thank you so much for tuning in. In the future, I'll be going over the questions that I did at Podcast Movement. I've got um, a survey. If you're a member of the newsletter, uh, I'm sending out a survey about, uh, you know, what's your favorite podcast player. We'll be talking about that. And of course, anything that you want to talk about, all you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact and uh, hit me up on email or voicemail, whatever you want to do. And uh, I'm always looking for input from you because the show is well for you. So thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.